It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oh, that's the first I've heard of that. So I'm not sure what context Dermy said that in, but yeah, sometimes when you're losing, you get um, criticised for the things that you get praised for when you're winning. So, um, yeah, there's different ways to get messages across to the players, and um, yeah, I'm not much of a shouter and a screamer, um, but yeah, I think I get my messages across clearly. That was Justin Longmuir talking about criticism from, well, not so much criticism, more comment from Dermot that maybe he's a bit too passive, that maybe this is the reason why Fremantle have all these bad starts. And, of course, they've lost 16 of their last 17 first quarters. Joining me on the show now is the West Australian's senior sports writer, Craig O'Donoghue. Craig, welcome. How are you, Duff? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Now, one thing you've never been accused of is being too passive, I don't think. No, no, it's fair to say that. That's a fair accident. I've been told to shut up more often, more often than not. Sometimes by me. Sometimes by me in the past. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you to shut up now. Um, tell me what you think of that. Is, is Justin Longmuir too analytical, too calm and too passive? I think what Dermot said made a hell of a lot of sense if you're the same level the entire time and there's no rise, there's no fall, it's like, it's like a good piece of music. You need the crescendo to go up and down. Every music, every movie needs some light and shade and, and different plot directions to keep you uh, interested and uh, and motivated to, to watch and to continue enjoying whatever you're doing at the time. I think from a football's perspective, you want to run out there highly amped and, and knowing that you can run through brick walls or that you're going to put your body on the line for the team. And some weeks you need to have that quiet, calm character who's just going to bring you back down to earth. Other weeks you need to have the highly motivated rant and rave, we're going to go out there and you know, do one for the gipper sort of style um, speech before the game. And, and I think every player needs something a little bit different. And as Dermot was saying, when you run out there on a Derby West in front of 7,000 people, and it's like, yeah, there's no atmosphere here at all. Where the away team? How do we get ourselves up? Maybe you'd like the coach to be a, a little bit more um, atmospheric with, with the way he's speaking to you in those games. And you can bring him back down for the, the home games where you've got the crowd going nuts already. So I can see what he was saying, and especially when he had such a great orator in Alan Jeans, who, who led him for so many years, the pay the price speech in the 89 grand final. Um, yeah, it, it's certainly something which I think they could do with, whether it's from, from Longmuir himself or whether they need somebody else to be that voice, just to give them something a bit different, I think it would help. You know the pay the price speech, he actually talked about shoes. Now, I reckon by, yeah. the, by the time he'd finished explaining how, you know, you need to buy the better shoes at the higher price, otherwise the poorer quality shoes just will never deliver what you need them to. I would have been half asleep I reckon about a quarter of the way through that until he got to the punchline. So yeah, I know I know what you mean. It's famous because they won a famous grand final and um, and they did pay the price that day. I wonder. Paul Hazelby made a really good point on the show yesterday, Cod, and that was that rather than ranting and raving, maybe they just need to be more proactive, not wait for someone else to throw the first punch, to go out there and play a bit of baseball, if you like, like the English cricket team is doing at the moment. Set the agenda set the playing conditions and, and throw the first punch and give the other team a problem to solve. 
Yeah, that was a really good point by Hayes because they, they do feel a bit more conservative than what they've been in the past. So you'd love to see them go out there and be all, all guns blazing. We all remember that 2013 preliminary final where they came out to Sydney and just went, bang, we're going to smash you in the face. You're not going to know what hit you with our aggression and with our attack on the footy and with our tackling and everything else. And that, that set the, the tone for the entire day. And I think we know the importance of starting well in any sport because you don't want to be on the back foot. And it does feel like... Like they are in uh, a moment at the moment of trying to contain the opposition and not necessarily get blown out early, rather than trying to blow them out early and take a, a couple of risks. And I love the way that Hayes explained it, and I thought he made a lot of sense. How many changes would you make if you were Fremantle? Because if you make four or five or six, it almost becomes too many. They were very disappointing last week, but what, what do you see them doing at selection? Well, if Darcy's fit, he comes back in, and that's that's straight away you, you become better. If Aish gets through the concussion protocols, then uh, he'll obviously come back in as well. And then it's a matter of what... I think a, 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 an explosive type of player to come into, into the team. I think they're missing a running player, someone who can give them a breaking of the line sort, sort of uh, look, or they need to move someone into that sort of role who, who's currently in the team. It feels like they've got a lot of players that are doing the same sorts of roles at the moment. And I think... Uh, if they could, if they could mix and match a little bit, to, just to give themselves a bit more explosion, Frederick could be really important for them if he's available again. Um, so these are the guys that they need to make sure they can, they can get into the team and just give themselves a bit of oomph. Who comes out if you let's let's say they're making three changes? Who, who are the three that go out? Well, that's, that's the hardest part, isn't it? That's the that's really hard part. I'm looking at the closely enough to work out who comes out, um, uh, because obviously you've got, you've got to work out how to get um, your ruck stocks fixed up, you've got it, which is easy. Darcy comes straight in, but they're not going to drop Jackson. So Jackson goes forward, which means uh, which are your key tools you bring out. So they've, they've got a lot of work to do to, to, to get this mix right, because it hasn't been right. The names on paper haven't been working for them. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if someone who... Um, that we've expected to be part of the team a fair way through ends up going out just on a team balance element of it because the team isn't getting it right. There's, I don't think there's any clear individuals who deserve to be dropped at the moment, but the team mixture isn't perfect for them. So until they can work out where they're missing uh, and what they're missing from that, that group, I think that's their biggest challenge at the moment. How do they add to something that the, the rest of the team doesn't give them? Liam Henry played, I thought, probably his best game in the AFL last week, even though he was part of a midfield that got absolutely walloped. Do you see him holding his spot, or do you think with Dame's ace coming back that um, that Liam Henry becomes vulnerable again? Yeah, I think you're right that he played really well last week. It gave them something different, as I was saying before. He, he gives them a bit of run. He, he gives them a, a, a bit of flair. So I think he's important to that team because of, of what he can do when he gets the footy. And he, he can also push back really, really hard to defend um, from that wing position also. So with that sort of speed, it's something that they don't necessarily have. And I look back to a couple of years ago when you had Frederick flying across half-forward and Switkowski and, and Schultz doing similar sorts of things and Walters all running at speed up the ground and back. I think that's what they're missing a bit at the moment with a, a, a fair bit of that, that flair that you need. So I'd be keeping Henry well and truly in the team and looking to add more types of, of players with that sort of ilk to give you just something a little bit more different than what they have at the moment, which is very, very uh, conservative with the, way, with the way they're approaching things. Now, Cod, you're a good Essendon boy. You've, you've stuck fat with them through the supplement scandal. You've stuck fat... Not guilty. Them. Not guilty. <laughs> you stuck that with them through the uh, through, <laughs> no, no, through not winning a final since Noah was a kid. Um, tell us about the Bombers and what excites you most about them this year. 
they had structure. They had absolutely clear structure from from the start of the season. You could see how they want to play, uh, and I haven't been able to see that for for, for a fair amount of time. It looks like they're being coached really hard. I felt like since the supplement scandal, they've spent so much time in management mode of trying to keep players happy or trying to put out fires. They haven't necessarily had time to coach them on what they need to do to be good footballers. And it's clear that Brad Scott said, I'm not your mate, I'm your coach. I'm going to tell you what you have to do. Zach Merritt's changed the way he plays a fair bit to make sure that he's leading a team from the various elements that you need to from a defensive standpoint. Um, that They look like they know what they're doing, which is really, really important. And and they have a massive crack in games, which, which is exciting to see. And you feel like watching Essendon now that the opposition aren't just going to march the ball down the ground and cue a goal, which is what you're, you're worried about um, in the past couple of years, that there wasn't going to be a lot of defence and it was going to be a case of let's have a crack and see if we can score and then uh, if it turns over, it's going to be trouble. And that, I haven't seen that this year. It's been, it's been a really strong, structured lineup, which is important. Now, West Coast gets some big names back. It looks like Jeremy McGovern, Tom Barris uh, will be amongst the ends, also Liam Duggan. But what do West Coast need to get out of the back half of the season as far as you're concerned? Well, they've got to get back into games. That's the most important thing. You can't keep saying, you know what, we're brave, we we, we, we um, move a step forward here, we like a little bit of this, and then end up losing by 10 goals. So they've got to get that margin right down. Uh, so, and if they, if the fact they've got Barris, Duggan, McGovern, Hernal on the way back, that's a strong back line. So you can't really argue that they don't have the, op- the ability to stop the opposition from scoring any, anymore. Uh, and we, if you then chuck Yo and Kelly and Sheed, and Chewy into that midfield, suddenly you've got a strong midfield again. So you can't argue that you're vulnerable there. So they need to prove that all the talk of, well, we, we haven't been able to play because we haven't had players available for selection was, was true. They have to be able to say that well, everything we said in the first half of the year wasn't us because we didn't have the players available. So we are going to be a better team now and we'll start winning these games which we've said we can potentially win or, or get close in those matches. We've heard the talk. Now they have to walk the walk because the players are available again. Yeah, I, I think it's obvious that they haven't been able to play the way they want to play because they haven't had players available. I just wonder whether West Coast has yet got its head around, that's this year, but what about next year? It's almost like they refuse to admit this group is dead, and, and this group is dead. And, and so how do, they, how do they get another group together? And, and um, I, I've got no doubt they'll play better when, when some of these guys start coming back, but all these guys are 30-plus, aren't they? And so, therefore, what happens next year when these, when these guys are another year older? Yeah, this group is well and truly over that hill. Um, so they're trying to avoid embarrassment for the rest of this season by, by sort of holding up the fort for them as much as possible. And they, they absolutely need to work out which of these kids are the ones that are going to be um, the, the players who are going to take them forward in the future. Because uh, Ruben Jimby's been terrific all season and, and is just done a power of work. Uh, so he, we know that he's going to be a player. We haven't seen enough of Elijah Hewitt yet because of injury and getting knocked out and those sorts of things. Um, we haven't seen enough of Campbell Chessie yet, who hasn't played football really at any level for so many years. So we don't know if he's going to be that player. So when they when the, the senior bodies come back in, they need to be able to take. The pressure off the kids so we can see if the kids are going to be any good because they're the ones who are going to be taking them forward. So um, finding a couple more players who have the ability to stand up and definitely be that long-term player is going to be crucial. Yep, I agree with that. How many cuts will they make at the end of the season, Cod? Lots. I would have thought you'd be getting rid of at least eight Maybe um, that's including rookie down down the absolute bottom end. Um, if you're looking to you know, get in at least five players in the draft, hopefully five top thirty, um, six. 
excellent lad if, if, if he could with the way they are going to trade and using um, their, their future first or the future selections they've um, picked up in the past. So you want to be making a glut of changes to make sure you can bring in kids who are all elite and all around the same age so you can bring them through together to go on top of the ones they've got in the, in the past couple of years because uh, we know how hard it is to get those top 30 picks in. So you need to get as many of them in as you can and hope they're good. I like his way of thinking. Great minds think alike. I think eight is the number as well. Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian. Always a pleasure to have you on the show uh, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the very near future. No worries. Go boys. Yeah, thank you very much. Had to give me that postscript. All right, uh, what do you think? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. We'll be back after the break.